Hey everybody, Jared here with the Carolina Weather Group. I got Dan Whitaker with me, our storm chaser guru guy. And uh, Dan, we have, uh, you know, we're, we're here at Weatherproof at the Shield Museum in Gastonia. Um, a really great day with a lot of great exhibitors. Yeah, it's been a really fun time. We uh, have seen a lot of different exhibitors here, um, talking about all sorts of different uh, aspects of weather, including uh, uh, things we don't normally think of, like air quality. Air quality, you know, you have the National Weather Service here, you have uh, the Climate Office showing us some, you know, interesting and somewhat disturbing heat trends. Uh, honestly, WCNC has been here with the uh, Brad Panovich and Larry Sprinkle were here for a bit, a lot of fun. Um, so just a really great day. And so we're, we've got some interviews with these exhibitors and uh, we hope you enjoy. We're here with Charlotte Area NC Air Awareness. And uh, could you tell us a little bit about kind of your setup here today? Yes, hi, my name is Yvonne Hernandez. And um, like you mentioned, I am with the Charlotte Area Air Awareness. And what I'm here to do is teach about air quality and how what we can do to protect our health and what, what can we do to improve air quality in our region. Great, so I see you have a couple things here. Um, you have some, uh, uh, a, a sign here about ozone um, mm -hmm. and uh, a couple of other things can you tell us I guess first about this uh, this graph you have here this chart yeah so this chart what we're doing here is trying to make that connection of emission sources that are in the Char in Charlotte uh, Mecklenburg County and um, what do they what, make that correlation because people normally think that the primary polluter, pollutant, polluter is uh, in factories, point sources, so these, right? But actually, they are only account for 3% of the county's NOx, uh, ozone-forming NOx emissions. And then the number one is actually cars. So normally, people would flip those. They, in The reality is we're the number one polluters. It's us. It's cars. We have to own it. And then the second one is non-road mobile sources. If if you're driving around in Mecklenburg County, you, you'll notice that there is so much construction going on. There is construction on the roads, on the highways, and um, the skyscrapers. And finally, the last thing will be area sources. So those are things like um, the emergency generators like in, at hospitals or cell phone towers. So I just want to make that connection for people that we're the number one polluters. It's us. It's cars. And we have to own it. And then what can we do about it? Okay, great. Great uh, explanation there. Thanks for sharing that. What other, uh, besides ozone, what other kind of air pollutants are we looking at are important to kind of know about? Yeah, so the Environmental Protection Agency has six common air pollutants, but in Mecklenburg County and in the region, we really focus on two, the ones that are driving the, um, that are the most, the highest ones that we see, which is particulate matter and ozone. So oh, just to give you a little bit more background information, ozone is not emitted. It's actually formed. And it is a photochemical reaction that happens when VOCs and NOx are cooked under the sun. So ozone season is from March 1st to October 31st. And during that time, we see that um, you know the sun is out for the longest and we really need that sun in order to uh, for it to cook and create ozone and then particulate matter we'll normally see that during um, fireworks or burns uh, the last code red that we had in Mecklenburg County was in 2016 when there was a giant fire in the mountains and the wind shifted just right and it made it to the county so those would be the two main ones that I will discuss and teach about because the other ones 
even though they're there, um, you think about lead as a success story where we don't really have to worry about lead too much because it's been phased out. We're talking about weather at a lot of the uh, booths and, and you know everyone here is kind of interested in weather. What kind of connections to weather do you see these pollutants? So that is such a great question because that is exactly why I'm here is because air quality has a direct connection to um, the weather. So weather heavily impacts what's going to happen. If just last week we had a situation where Mercaptan was released in the city and there was a temperature inversion. So it was just tracked and we could all smell it, right? Uh, and again, so weather it, it impacted because if, if there would have been another day, it probably would have, you know, people would have smelled it, but it wouldn't just been trapped. And um, so, yeah, so there is a, a direct correlation in those um in those, uh, yeah, in, in the forecast for weather and, or what weather is doing, and then air quality and the impact that it has because weather will be moving and dispersing air. You mentioned uh, a connection of, of how ozone is formed having to do with the sun. Um, does that have a, uh, weather has a big impact on that, I guess, too, because of clouds forming and, and, and whatnot. Exactly, yes. So if, if you know, if, if it's going to be raining, normally we can expect the air quality to be pretty good. Uh, or if it's cloudy and overcast, even if it is 100 degrees outside, it's not going to impact it so much. Well, I'm glad you're here educating us about things that um, are very important, but things we also can't see. And, and that's why it takes uh, people like you in, in science to uncover that. Yeah, thank you um, for this opportunity to talk about it because that is the hardest thing about my job is how do I teach about something that you can't see and how do I make you care about something that you can't see that we just take for granted. You know, we wake up early in the morning, we get going and we're already breathing. So we don't we're not even thinking about the fact that we're breathing, that we're breathing air and that how important it can be to you know to our health uh so you know I, I think i mentioned this earlier but you can live without water you can live without food you can live without air so you, again you can live without water and food for a few days but air is just minutes well thank you so much for uh talking with us and um i, I i'm sure everyone who's watched this will uh, learn a lot so um, thanks dan i appreciate the opportunity Hey everybody, Jared here from the Carolina Weather Group. Today I've got Emma Scott with me from the North Carolina State University Climate Extension up in Asheville. Came all the way down to uh, Gastonia, Charlotte area, to to be here at the uh, Shield Museum this afternoon. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about uh, you know what you do in your uh, nook of Asheville. Yeah, yeah. So we do climate-specific research and we partner with a lot of federal scientists at the National Centers for Environmental Information mm -hmm. and we work together to analyze the climate data that goes into the uh, NCEI data centers. Awesome, very cool. Tell us a little bit about what you're uh, kind of showing everybody, showing the kids today and uh, there's a, well, the kids and the adults for that matter. There's a lot yeah. of uh, Everyone's enjoying it today. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people from all walks of life mm -hmm. here. So we've got some takeaways from the National Climate Assessment mm -hmm. as well as the North Carolina Specific Climate Science Report yep. that has been uh, published fairly recently. And oh. uh, this has some uh, information on expected changes in climate that we mm -hmm. can expect to see in our state. 
and um, a little bit toward uh, how we can find solutions to these issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure that you, I'm sure you know you're you're covering a broad scope between flooding on the coast and and then you know just general warming and other and other issues and yeah, yeah. severe weather and things of that nature. Exactly. All kinds of things from extreme heat to mm -hmm. changes in extreme precipitation, yep. uh, overall uh, mm -hmm. global temperature change. It's, it's all yep. kind of in there. Yeah. What would you say is probably the biggest uh, takeaway that you all have seen recently just in your data? What's the thing that stands out the most? Um, so one of the things that I know is really important to people at the moment is heat and mm -hmm. drought. Uh, we have some scientists looking at intersections between those two and uh, the increase in uh, nighttime temperatures is one of the things that we have laid out in yep. some of the information here and that's definitely really concerning for the future in terms of um, heat related illness. Yeah, everybody impacts. thinks about record highs but nobody thinks about the record high max the record low maximums. Yeah the other exactly. way around the record maximum low. I, mean, I always yeah. get that confused but but I mean that's a that is the that is certainly the bit of heat stress that just does not get as much attention. It yeah. probably should. Yeah, I mean, if it's not cooling off overnight, you don't get that chance to recuperate. And that can be uh, really impactful for people, especially who can't afford to have an air conditioner. Right. Uh, you know, that right. can really hurt them. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Emma. Very nice to meet you. And uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your time. All right. Thank you. What? Hey everybody, Jared here from the Carolina Weather Group at the Shield Museum uh, for Weatherproof, closing out the event today. And we have got um, we got Candace Jordan here with us. She is kind of the maestro of the whole shebang. I'm like the weather maestro. The weather I like maestro. That. The weather maestro. The the person with the flame tornado. Um, how did you think it went this year? It was phenomenal. Yeah. It was a great great weather day. First off, mm -hmm. you know, it didn't have to pull the meteorologist out of the event. That's right. always nice. Yeah. Um, but overall, it seemed like we had a really good turnout, and mm -hmm. it was just a wonderful day. I think people were really curious and asked lots of really great questions. Yeah, you had a really good, you had a really, really, really good crowd around the flame, the, yes. the, the fire whirl, to be clear. Um, yes. And, and, you know, the tornado tube, and there's a lot of just really great exhibits here, a lot of really great exhibitors here uh, as well today. Um, you know, coming back, you know, from COVID, Yes. You know, this is the first one since COVID, as I recall. Yeah. So this is the first like real big one. We had yeah. one last year, but we definitely kept it like super low key. Yeah. It was just a few staff members. So this is the first like big one we've pulled yeah. out since COVID. Yeah. No, and it certainly seemed to be, you know, very well attended. We had some yeah. it just some amazing people. We had somebody we had we had one of the kids school Dan on the EF rating of the Pilger tornado. We had, yes. uh, you know, we had some amazing green screen work uh, going on here. You know, National Weather Service was here, right. 14th Air Squadron. Um, you know, what do you hope people take away from this? So one thing that I love to bring to people is, you know, there's more than just your standard meteorologist. A lot of people think like, oh, TV meteorologists. Mm -hmm. And yes, they are absolutely wonderful and there's a place for them. But there's also like 90% of the meteorology community that's like not on TV. And I mm -hmm. want 
I want people to be able to see those, you know, like the National Weather Service having mm -hmm. the Air Force represented, you yeah. know, your climate people, your area, like your air mm -hmm. awareness people. Your air quality, so yeah. lots of different types of people. And I really wanted to show like the multifaceted thing of weather is mm -hmm. that we had a booth on leaves and weather mm -hmm. and insects and weather mm -hmm. satellites so it's just like weather really does impact every single discipline that mm -hmm. there is out there absolutely i want to say that there was a that there was a weather on other planets even yes. at some point, yeah. Yeah, so even other planets have weather and then we have mm -hmm. a planetarium show about that yep. and so we can go through each planet and say, mm -hmm. you know, oh like you know we have these monstrosity like dust storms on mars and envelop mm -hmm. the entire planet. We don't yep. have that on earth. Or like yeah. the great red spot on Jupiter. Mm -hmm. Not yet. Um, <laughs> but, TBD. Yeah, TBD. Well, hopefully, hopefully we don't find out. But uh, but no, I mean this is uh, you know th this is uh, phenomenal. Um, seemed, certainly seemed like everybody got a lot out of it. Yeah. And, uh, it was really fantastic. Any any closing thoughts uh, on, Overall, on I'm, the event? I'm really proud of how it went, and uh, we're definitely doing it again next year. Beautiful. So mark your calendars, July something or another probably July next something year. or another all right 23 <laughs> uh, mark it down july something or another yeah. uh, here at the shield museum in gastonia north carolina jared smith of carolina weather group thank you so much for watching and uh, thank you to candace and uh, all of her wonderful crew uh for uh making today a wonderful event for everybody take care yeah, so this is our storm tracker around here. It's the uh, Chevy storm tracker. You can see it behind me here. Now, there's a lot of cool stuff on it. I see that you've got a lot of different, um, you got some really cool uh, exhibits here.